you're listening to Say Yes to Travel with your host, Sarah Dandeshi. All right, welcome back to another episode of Say Yes to Travel, where we have been interviewing all sorts of industry professionals and thought leaders within the hospitality industry. And I'm so excited for this episode because we are kicking off a new year. And with this new year, I think we have this new sense, renewed sense of optimism. Certainly that's what I'm coming at it with. And I think who better to start off the year with um, than my current guest for today. So I I have got Bashar Wali, who is the CEO and founder of This Assembly and I'm so excited to get into today's conversation because I know we're just going to talk about everything hospitality related. So without further ado, you don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from Bashar. So Bashar, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted and excited. And don't limit it to hospitality. We may get into politics and religions and some taboo subjects. Leave the door open. We'll see how it goes. Oh, perfect. I love the way that you think because quite frankly, all of it is interconnected. And I think all too often, you actually bring up a great point because all too often we kind of maybe tiptoe around certain topics, but it's it's just so connected that sometimes you just have to address them. So fine, we'll keep the door open. (laughs) With the toe. So um, for everybody that's just tuning in and for, I mean, obviously a lot of people have heard quite a bit from you, but would love to just sort of set the stage and give a bit of background. So for an introduction, could you share a bit of your background. Um, for those that don't know, you and I actually have some similar roots. So we'd love to hear about your background and how it shaped you into the hotelier that you are today. Sure. Thank you. So um, I was born in the Middle East, in Damascus, Syria, and my dad had been here in the 60s as a student and loved the U.S. and wanted to live the American dream. And true to his sort of desire, went back home, got married, had kids, and essentially shipped us off one at a time. And now they all live here in the U.S. And it's funny, I think, as I think long and hard, I kind of fell into hospitality. I didn't intentionally seek it out. It was sort of a means to an end. Wanted to come to the U.S., needed a visa, knew somebody who knew somebody. I went to Johnson & Wales University where I got accepted because I wasn't that smart. Uh, So I got accepted and literally the minute I touched it, I was infected and it was beyond any uh, vaccination or repair. I was infected for life. And as I, people often ask me like how and why, and as I think, far back on sort of upbringing and cultural influences. And you, your family will appreciate this. There's a great quote that I love uh, that goes, uh, the Arabs used to say, when a stranger shows up at your door, don't ask him who he is, where he's from, or where he's going to. Feed him and nurture him and host him for three days, because by then he'll either be rested enough to tell you, or you'll be such good friends, it won't matter. And there's always this idea of hospitality. And really, I think hospitality as a concept is innate to us as human beings. And I think culturally, from cultural to culture, it varies. Some are louder about it and want to stuff your mouth with food. Others are sort of hand-offish with you. But I think ultimately, we, we, to not go Darwinian on you, we all are in this together. We need each other. We need each other as a species to survive. So I think this idea of being open to host and welcome people really truly is innate to us as humans. And I think ultimately it's only further emphasized by nurture, by the culture you live in. And there are many cultures, you know, the Italians we talk a lot about and the Greeks, this whole, you cannot leave until you've been fed so much, it's coming out of your ears, et cetera. So I think those are all symbols of the idea of we want to take care of each other. And I love that about it. And I love that as influenced how I think about the business, sort of my upbringing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you bring up a really good point, because as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, you know, just even my nature and, and actually, because I haven't talked about this, but for those that are listening, so my dad was actually born in Damascus. And so that's where I talked about why we have the similar upbringing, even though I was actually, I was born in the States, but I grew up in the Middle East. I actually lived in Saudi, Saudi Arabia until I was six. So even though that's a very different culture than a Syrian or Lebanese culture, but um, very much understanding that. But you bring up a great point that there is this, there is this thing in us that we want to be hospitable. We want to, you know, sort of take care and nurture others. And um, I'm always sort of impressed with that, you know, when I'm traveling and maybe going to a place where I don't speak the language, how, you know, we're kind of taken care of in a way. 
And it is really always beautiful that you're reminded of that when you travel. I know that you obviously travel quite a bit as well. And honestly, it's, it's you know, Bourdain, Bourdain sort of embodies that for me, the idea of how hospitality, his show became nothing to do with food and more to do with sort of interacting with other humans through the medium of food. And we interact with other humans through the medium of offering them shelter, right? So you think about it, we really are ultimately finding a way, I hope, and I'm, I'm going to preach this often and a lot, and I'm, I'm going to drive you crazy even on this show, the idea that we keep thinking that the future of hospitality is robots and apps. And in fact, that's the future of service, not the future of hospitality. Hospitality fundamentally is, has been, and will always be the epicenter of hospitality is emotion and emotion for the time being until we invent robots that can actually feel it truly is about human interactions period and i've been preaching this gospel for the last decade i agree with you and it and it's interesting because certainly with with my background as far as being a concierge the concierge has always you know arguably and maybe this is just be coming from that background is very much you know the the heart and soul of a of a property and if you have a good one and it's that emotional connection that they are able to have with the guests again and what is it i mean how many times not only myself but i've heard countless of other you know hoteliers specifically concierge that they've had guests come to them and say i come back here not for the hotel but i come back here because of you and i think that that essence totally ties into what you're saying is that, you know, it really is the human aspect and you make that distinction. Indeed. Indeed. I've done a TEDx talk on the subject and, and the idea of human connection. And one of the things I talk about is you think about Airbnb and it's such a subtle nuance, but I think it, got, it goes a long way. When you go to book a reservations with a hotel for all, you know, you're entering this deep, dark black hole of corporate America, right? You're going to be thrown into some, booking machine with some Betty the bot who's not actually a human who's trying to talk to you. And and it's it, it's so cold. It's so transactional. When you decide to go with Airbnb, the minute you decide to go that direction, Sarah, your host, is now communicating with you. And even though it may be automated and even though it may be whatever, that word host has such a warmth and underlying sort of comfort with it that I think it's genius using the word host, right? So so I think that example alone, and you know, Airbnb spent gazillions of dollars on deciding what to call their people, their, their landlords, for the lack of a better term. So that word host has such warmth that comes with it that I think is lost when you're diving into that black hole that's the booking machine, whether it's Expedia or any of the big brands, et cetera. So somehow we have to focus the experience on that interpersonal experience and try to drive it home when they come into our door. Because until then, they're dealing largely with machines, right? Whether it's apps or booking engines. And and you you bring up a great point. And I've, I've actually said this quite a bit because when Airbnb, and I've always been a, a fan of Airbnb in the sense that as hoteliers and as a hospitality professional, we can learn a lot from them because they were always far more nimble and what the things that they could do and you know, even when they were going out and, and starting their experiences, I actually worked with them when they were starting their experiences. And at that time, you know, we're talking about four years ago, this was still all these hoteliers like shaking in their boots. Oh my gosh, Airbnb. And it's like, whoa, wait a second, hold on. Look at what they can bring to the table. Yes. Okay. They might take some heads and beds. Okay, fine. But they're per basically they're making travel more accessible to people that maybe they couldn't stay at a hotel or maybe they didn't want to stay at a hotel. It didn't make sense for them, whatever that is. And then it, I was always calling hoteliers like you offer more than a bed. You offer more than a bed in a room. Now you can still bring in those people. Maybe they come to high tea at your property. Maybe they come to your rooftop bar. And how can you still tie into these travelers without just focusing on the bed experience? You know what I mean? It's the full experience of the property. But as you can see, I get very excited about it. <laughs> sure. And look, one of, one, of, one of the broken records that, again, I've been preaching again and again and again is the clear distinction between two words. People often ask me what business I'm in, and they say the service industry. And I say, I go to my dentist, they're in the service industry. Where I get my oil changed for my car, they're in the service industry. We hotels deliver service. That is absolutely not the business that we're in. Because truthfully, service can be delivered by robots and machines and apps. What the business that we're in is hospitality. And the clear distinction is service is what you deliver. 
Hospitality is how you make people feel. And fundamentally, the design, the scent, the lighting, the fabric, the touch, the feel, the music, literally every component matters. But ultimately, all those components are things. And we humans gather emotions and feelings from other humans. You know, Maya Angelou, people will forget what you said and what you, people forget what you did and what you said, et cetera, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. You think about how deep that statement is. So fundamentally, how you make someone feel is purely a function of you, other human interaction with them, complemented and improved by the environment that surrounds you. But without that piece, that centerpiece that is the human, it's all, it's like a gallery, right? Like I don't go to a gallery to admire the building. I go to a gallery to admire art. I don't go to a hotel to admire the building. I go to a hotel to feel warm and welcome. And I jokingly say my best gauge of a good hotel is I want to walk into your lobby blindfolded and feel the warmth of your hospitality. I love right? that. This idea of this cocooning effect. I, I, like when you walk into your parents' home, there's yeah. something magical about the atmosphere. Not the smell, not the sound, not the, just this, this warmth feeling that you get. And I think hotels that get it, they get it and they accomplish it well. And those who don't become these monolith, soulless, big, massive buildings that have nothing to offer, but, oh, great, marble and gold and platinum and whatever, who cares? <laughs> but you're, it, that is, it is this human element and it is the way that you, and by the way, that's one of my favorite Maya Angelou um, quotes because it is so much the essence of what we do. And you make that very clear distinction between hospitality and service. And it's something that, uh, there is an art to it. There's Agreed. An art to it, and um, people really have to really tap into being authentic and and genuinely showing up in the present. And if you do that, it's amazing the connections that you can make. And again, for those for those who follow me, I'll give you another analogy that again I've been beating like a broken record, and I hope I practice what I preach first, but hopefully it'll inspire someone to think about things differently. So I often say I'm in the theater business, right? And here's the analogy I give. I can go to Times Square, buy the best piece of real estate on the corner of Main and Main, build a $5 billion theater dripping with gold and platinum and art and hand-carved this and that and all of the above. No one cares. The New York Times doesn't come to a theater to admire the building. They come to a theater to look at the play. So alternatively, I say, I'll go 10 blocks off Times Square, buy a good enough piece of dirt, build a good enough building on it. Focus my time, energy, and effort on finding, recruiting, hiring, and training the best in class, building them a set that's conducive to the story they're trying to tell, and whether said set was made of garbage cans and found objects or gold and platinum because that's what's accretive to that story, then be it, but really focus on the story that you tell and the people that tell your story, and people will be lined up the, out the door. People don't go to the theater for the building. People don't go to a hotel for the building. And we've learned now, right, that ultimately, yeah, sure, you could steal a couple of towels, but what are you bringing home with you when you've spent $1,000 or $500 or $200 on a hotel? I think we win if you go home after you stay in one of my hotels and tell one person about one thing, not the whole experience, one person, one thing, that's how I win. But if you go and you're like, yeah, the building was nice. That was it. What's the point? It's a commodity. We're not on the commodity business. Yeah. And and that's a great point. And it reminds me of, you know, all too often in speaking with fellow hoteliers and specifically, you know, within the concierge community, obviously that's much a lot of my background. But, you know, this was like, how do we stay relevant? How do we stay relevant? And it's that taking that ownership as far as your your experience that you are able to provide a guest, not only... Um, if they have a positive experience, it not only reflects well on the hotel, it reflects on you, it reflects on the, the profession. And so you're now telling people like, oh, this people want to share the story. You want to get part of hospitality is the story that you can help create for somebody because that's exactly. what they're going to share. They're not going to be like, oh, exactly. yeah, cool. The thread count was amazing. <laughs> sure. Well, look, part of part of my new venture the first word that we've been tinkering with that I'm working on trademarking, I hope, is give a shit ability. Let me tell you oh, what that means. If, if you're a guest, you have the pick of the litter, right? There's so many great hotels out there. I can name hundreds of them for you right now. Fantastic offerings. But I need more than just, I need more of a reason than just a beautiful building with beautiful art and fabulous coffee and fabulous this and incredible that. I need more. And in, in a post-COVID era, 
we've all learned that we really do need more of this. I think travel will be become, hopefully, God willing, will become more meaningful. Because as you know, historically, people would literally book that fabulous trip to Taos because there's some incredible Instagram shot that they have to take. They have zero reason or desire to go there. They're literally going there for that reason only. And fundamentally, that seems so shallow and so empty now in hindsight. Really, that's what our lives have become. We are chasing likes from people we don't care about. And I think hopefully we've learned that our time is short and we need to put it to good use. So damn those fake likes. I'd rather go to a place where I have a reason to go, where I can create a memory for myself. So this idea of more meaning in life, and it doesn't have to be heavy or like a chore. I mean, travel is fun, obviously. And sure, I want that Instagram shot and that street grid as much as you do. But I want that to be secondary to why I'm doing what I'm doing, not central to it. So the give a shit ability, I think, on one hand, comes from a guest, but also fundamentally, more importantly, from an employee. Why should I come work for you when I can work for this next offering down the street, which arguably may have better things than you do? You've got to give me more of a reason to be with you. And I think ultimately, that truly comes to back to, back to the to the nucleus, to the center point we're talking about. If you treat me better than that group or, or consider me, view me as an equal human to you because I am, whether I speak English or not, whether I'm educated or not, you are not any better than me. We are equal humans. I think if, if you create that, the idea of we're all in this together, again, an overused sentence from COVID, I think you truly will win, particularly on the guest and on the employee side. And, and this idea of, we're all in this together becomes far more relevant and important. And again, not in a heavy sense. This isn't about you know making the travel. You could still go wild and go nuts and go crazy and have a lot of fun, but it's got to be the purpose for your trip has to be far more than an Instagram shot, I think. Oh, I, definitely. It def- and it's and it it's the purpose is for I think the the internal journey as opposed to the end result as far as what you can share. Oh, look at this is what I did. And so hopefully, even if, you know, maybe, okay, fine. So maybe there is the driving factor that, okay, I chose a destination because I can take a pretty shot there. But hopefully that once you're there, you're able to kind of melt away those original barriers and connect a little bit more locally and, and, and grounded. So question. So wait, wait, what bring it, bring you back in. So I want to talk about this. So can you share a little bit more about your current role um, as far as at Providence Hotels, Practice Hospitality, as well as this assembly so that sure. we all know what you're doing? Sure. So uh, Providence Hotels was where I was at for 15 years and kind of helped grow that company. I remain in par- a partner in that company, but I started feeling that I wasn't walking the talk, right? I was starting to sound righteous, but I was afraid that if somebody called me out on it, am I truly living up to all my lecturing, as it were, and pontification? And I felt that in this round, as it were, sort of the post-COVID round, there's a lot of opportunity to have learned a lot of good lessons, introspectively, mostly, by the way, to your earlier point, being very introspective, because as you know, we've become a bunch of lemmings, hoteliers, we copy each other, and we jump off the cliff, and everybody else jumps off the cliff. So the idea is, can we think about how we do business differently? Can we really, and look, the word disruption has become, again, so meaningless because everybody wants to disrupt everything. I'm like, listen, I don't want to go to the bathroom in a disruptive way. I want to go to the glorious bathroom. <laughs> don't disrupt my bathroom. Um, so the idea is, can we, and really centered around this idea of give a shit ability. Can we, if success means I have to crush everyone along the way, I'm not interested in being successful. So I'm trying to, we're trying as a team to think of ways to do things differently, to find that magic, give a shit ability reason to share with guests and employees and partners. And by the way, we often talk about our customers, internal, external, all these nonsense uh, uh, words that try to make us feel better. Ultimately, I'm really viewing this on a sort of human level because my employees, as important as my guest, is as important as my vendor, is as important as the police officer down the street. I mean, we, we are all in this together. And if you're such an important part in a community hotel, you've got to work, you've got to, you've got to deliver on that promise and really be, treat everyone that way and give everyone a reason to be your biggest fan and to be your brand evangelist and to be your champion out there. So this assembly essentially is a group of my, my, my partners that I brought along that we are together trying to work on a couple of things. One 
is think about, is there room for a brand, hotel brand, lifestyle brand, obviously taking advantage of the next real estate cycle that could not invent a flying car, but it seems like there's a better way to design a car now than we have been historically. Whether it's hybrid or electric or whether it's smaller because that's how we travel now and whether it's shared because that's the model now, there's a different way to do hotel business than we've done historically, number one. In the interim, while that's a lofty goal, we want it to be pragmatic also, obviously, and keep everyone in the game and you know pay the bills. So we started Practice Hospitality, and Practice Hospitality is a hotel management company. The truth be told, I struggle with that term, manage, and I love analogies. So Sarah, when you give your firstborn to someone to watch, do you want them to manage your firstborn? Or do you want them to love and care and nurture and be an extension of who you are as a parent? So all of a sudden, we're starting to scratch our heads and go, hotel management company. You as an owner have agonized. You have lost sleep over what size the doorknob should be and what color the light switch should be. For you to hand it to a bunch of people who are going to manage it? What I, it, it seems so yeah. counterintuitive, right? So we're like, are we a hotel nurture company? Are we a hotel care company? Are we a hotel what company? So we're really starting to think about it from that vernacular as well. But Practice Hospitality is a hotel management company for the lack of a better term for now. And we'd like to th- say, if you want your baby managed, give it to someone to manage. If you want your baby nurtured, we're your guys. So give us your baby and we'll make sure it's nurtured and we'll treat it. We, we adopt it. We don't babysit. We will, we will become co-parents with you. Well, and, and that also, it's, it's interesting because just in, in recent conversations that I've been having, we're seeing that there, and I love that you're going in this direction because I think this is, first of all, we can see this in other industries. You can even look at retail and other businesses and what are the businesses that are doing, that are doing well. It's the, they have this give a shit ability, you know, that they do, um, that they give back in a way. And that's what consumers, modern consumers want, you know, and so, and that also applies to hotels. So it is, and it starts from, as starts from the management. So again, that slight, even if it's the changing of a word and using a different word changes verbiage that you can, it has, it will have this trickle down effect. Because it's Agreed. like, okay, we're not going to say managing, but it's, you know, again. Suffice it to say, and suffice it to say, empty words, right? I often say execution eats strategy for breakfast. Fundamentally, it's a mindset, right? If, if you know, this, I'm just here for a paycheck, right? That's, that's ultimately failure for all involved. You've got to give, most importantly, your teammates a reason beyond the paycheck. You have to be invested in their lives, in their well-being. They can't be employee number 27. They have to be Joe or Rosa or whoever they are for it to really matter. Because ultimately, no matter how fabulous I may be, I'm not in dealing with every guest every moment of the day. And I've always learned that you're as good as your worst employee. So somehow we have to make sure we create a workforce that is going to be representative of what it is that we're trying to do. So when you're an owner and you call and you want someone to quote unquote manage your hotel, I want to be able to deliver on that promise and not only deliver with the touchy feely and the employees love us and guests are writing rave reviews. Ultimately, the results have to show up on the EBITDA line and on the revenue line and on the market penetration line. So it's all equally important. But I think, and I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. I'm sure you know the Discover Your Why. Yes, Apple doesn't I say love we're him. Business. Apple doesn't say we're in the business to make money. They say we're in the business to change the world. And by virtue of what we do, we make money. I want to be able to say, look, we are in the business of creating an incredible place for people to work, an incredible place for people to call home away from home. And if we do both those things well, we're going to make so much money. It's not even going to be important anymore. Because ultimately, that's long-term thinking. That's not flash in the pan. Cut, 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 kill everyone, work them to death, make money, and then sell it and let the next guy suffer with the consequences. Yeah. well, And you bring up this interesting point is that there is this disconnect, which is so ironic (laughs) to the hospitality industry, is that there is, it's about the feeling that you can help create. But then there's, you know, if you have too many individuals, whether it is management or ownership, that's just focused on the bottom line and the profitability that there is a disconnect there. And that is absolutely felt. It felt certainly as an employee, but definitely felt as, as um, a, 
a guest. I mean, the number of guests that have come in. I mean, I think we've all heard this over the course of our careers that guests have come in. Has something changed with like management or the has the ownership changed? Because it feels different. And I'm like, you're in the lobby. What do you mean it feels different? But they can Interesting, tell. isn't it? They feel it. They truly feel it, right? We, we, we don't give human intuition enough credit. Human intuition, hugely valuable. And again, I've talked before about what we've done historically with the mystery shops. You know, we do the transactional mystery shops. Did they use your name three times? Did they offer you luggage? Did they, did they, did they? And I felt that was so, again, robotic, right? So we decided to intermingle those with emotional-based job. How did they make you feel? When you had a problem, did they seem to genuinely care? And to me, that's the future. Do I really care if you use my name three times or not? Does that really make a difference? Now, you want to blow me away? Remember my name without looking down the second time I walk through the lobby. Then you'll blow me away. You reading my name off of a screen, I already know my name. You don't need to tell me what it is, right? So we've lost sight of what's important because we became too focused on service and not enough on hospitality. And it's interesting as speaking as somebody who, you know, I've, I've worked at a series of five star, five diamond hotels and uh, knowing that I had to hit those marks. And for me, I've always been one that I want to connect with somebody genuinely. That's just how it is. And as a hot, as a, a hospitality professional, it would kill me that I'm having this conversation and I'm trying to, and connecting, but in my mind, I'm like, how many times have I said their name? I'm actually going through the checklist in my head as I'm having this conversation. It was, it was personally, it was a miserable experience. I will tell you a really funny story about that very topic. I, I am on the desk, working the desk. I'm a trainee. Swear to God, true story outside of Boston. And my manager is standing there and Mr. P-E-N-I-S comes up. And I'm literally looking at the reservations, looking at his ID, looking at the reservations, looking at his ID, looking at my manager, I'm like three times. And the guy says, it's Penis. I'm like, okay, thank you, Mr. Penis. So this idea of why, <laughs> like, what's the point? Who cares? You're reading it off the screen. I'm not going to give you any extra credit because you used my name three times because you, you read it on the screen. What's the point? And and again, it goes so much deeper than that. You know, it's more than just saying like, oh, saying the name, but it's like whether you you reference what happened in your last interaction and it's like, oh, how's the, you know, how's the dog doing? Or, you know, I remember that you had an amazing time at this you know, Japanese restaurant. By the way, there's a new one. If you have time, you should absolutely go to this place. And you're going to love it. If you love this place, you know, you just basically dive right in and you pick off pick up in that sense where you left off that makes that's them different. feel that's mm-hmm. usually you because now i feel that you're you are invested in me you're not just transactionally yet another guest you are truly invested in look we all want to be vip no matter how poor or rich how significant or insignificant we all want to matter nobody says i don't want to matter i want to be a nobody even though they may tell you that not true we all want to be somebody and that's what you accomplish. You know, it's the Maslow uh, need hierarchy thing where uh, self-actualization is on the very top. Like, I want to know I'm somebody. I matter. It's, again, an innate need for us as humans. We have egos. We all want our egos stroked. We want to feel important. And that's what you accomplish by doing that rather than reading my name three times. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you touched on a bit, you know, in regards to this year and being a little bit more whether introspective. So how, I'll kind of, you know, a couple of questions molded into one here. So understand, I mean, we look, we all lived through this pandemic. Like we all have seen the impact. So not necessarily like the day-to-day changes, but like what, what were the changes that you may, you maybe experienced with your businesses and more so maybe like, what are the lessons that you learned or relearned or emphasized in the past year? Look, I I look at this thing with a silver lining and I say, this whole sanitation business, we'll call it for the lack of a better term, this is temporary. It will go away, right? I never leave my house in the morning thinking, oh man, I better be careful. I don't want to catch polio. Once the vaccine is out and we all have had it, this will be, you know, look, I don't want to underestimate what's happened. Lives have been decimated. Our friends in the industry that we all know someone who's been decimated. And it's terrible and we feel awful for all of them and pray for all of them. I think a lot of this, the, the sort of sanitation part, I put that as a temporary bucket. All this wiping and cleansing and 
spraying and it'll all be gone and we'll all forget about it. It won't be part of our conversation. Hopefully, by the way, the only thing I hope we don't forget about is, you know, you travel. I can't tell you how many fabulous looking businessmen in bath, airport bathrooms that are wearing, wearing you know, Cuccinelli $20,000 suits come out of the stall and walk right out. I'm like, dude, you might be sitting next to me on the plane. I'm going to call you out. You don't wash your hands. So hopefully the hand washing remains. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I think what we've learned out of this, again, I hope, is number one, kindness. We all have to be kind to each other. We've all learned to think about someone's day before we react to the way they're treating us or talking to us. We've all, I think, learned to be more emotionally intelligent, which is, to me, one of the most valuable skills in our industry. So I think, I hope these soft skills, we've all have learned to be more patient with each other, to be more respectful of each other. And again, introspectively thought about our own faults at the same time. The other thing that I've looked at is if, if we assume the sanitation thing is a temporary thing, I've always been a big fan of human behavior versus trends. Trends have a shelf life by definition. And usually it's particularly where you are, it's five minutes, right? And the, the LA trend, it's literally five yeah. minutes or the Las Vegas nightclub that's in three always. months out of, out of style and gone. Human behavior takes much longer, often years, often decades. So how we as humans now, how we travel, how we interact with the spaces, what's important in a space for us, is it really about forgetting sanitation for a minute, but the idea of I want to look up my room and feel that every surface could easily be approached and cleaned, right? Less sanitation, more functionality. And I'm not suggesting prison-like functionality, you know, stainless wall, concrete floor. We still can do high design, but I think our, our view of how to, how to value things in life has changed. And I think that's a human behavior thing. Obviously, office space, how we use office space in the future, like what happens to business travel? What percentage of business travel comes back? Is it forever changed? How do we as hotels deal with that? How do we mitigate that loss? How do we find different ways? Like one of the things we've talked about a lot is the idea of pleasure, right? So if you're a business person, Sarah, you're going on a trip. Why should you go to Chicago 20 times, but never really stop to go smell the roses and see Chicago? How can we help you come to our city, do your business? And you know what? Stay an extra day, come in earlier, day earlier, and really get to explore the city. So we're all thinking about, by virtue of human behavior modifications, how do we take advantage of it and become a vessel to help you accomplish those goals? Like think about like room service and food in hotels, right? This is actually an interesting one, a bigger one. We used to leave our homes to go to hotels because they had room service and they had internet and they had pay-per-view movies and they had and they had. And now we all at home, by and large, if not everyone, I could almost say with certainty, almost everyone has better offerings at home than they do in a hotel. So what you went to the hotel for, now you have better at home. Your internet is faster. Your streaming is easier. You can Postmate anything you want. Check, 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 check this on-demand culture. So how does a hotel now play a different role? Do we have to up the ante and keep fighting in this rat race? Or do we have a different offering altogether? So again, we're thinking a lot about human behavior and how humans will interact with office, how humans will travel, how they will interact with spaces. And it's informing a lot of what we do. Now, look, this has forced us to all be more efficient for the sake of the bottom line, which is not anything to be shrugged about. Uh, people are starting to think about technology and we as an industry have been so behind in technology. They're think, thinking about it, as I said earlier, as a human eliminator, less people, let's eliminate all people, kind of the way the airlines went. And I look at technology and I say, look, let's use technology to remove friction. Do you really need me to sign the wretch card and show you my credit card and do all that junk? Instead of all of that, maybe have less people at the desk, but have more quality people and now be invested in me. So when I come up to you, Find out why I'm here and what I'm doing here and how you could make my stay better, more enjoyable, et cetera. So I want to remove the friction by using technology because that's the smart thing to do, but I don't want to remove the human. I want to reemphasize the human, but change their usage from robots that are getting signatures and credit card swipes to actual humans to interact with the guests. Yeah. The, and it you, you mentioned something that I know has been on the tip of everybody's tongue, especially in hospitality for quite some time. And I think this year has certainly accelerated it. It has been, we are, we, hospitality in general has been behind the, the eight ball when it comes to technology. And it's again, how to use it while you still maintain 
the human connection. And you, you tapped into a really solid point, this to take away the friction. And so if they, if people look at it more like as a tool versus as a replacement, uh, and then I, I always have sort of viewed it as it's like, it can, it can help take, maybe help handle some of the mundane tasks, the easy tasks. So then you have more room to have those more in-depth interactions because that's what people are there for. You know, they're not there for how quickly you swipe the card. <laughs> exactly. And allow your teammates the opportunity to utilize their emotional intelligence to better read their guests because they're not trying to answer the phone and make a reservations and, and, and dispatch an engineer and, and while checking you in. If you could use technology to remove that friction and allow the space to engage on a human personal level, everyone wins because your employees feel better, your teammates feel better, and the guests feels better. Now, this idea, again, of everybody's a somebody, dear, dear teammate, we know your opinions matter and your thoughts matter. So we want to give you the space to interact with the guest. And now the guest feels that they're getting that personalized service. So the, the idea of technology, and again, look. I can't tell you how many swear words I use when I go to a website and I'm on the zip code field on an app or on a, on a web site and I have to change my own keyboard. For God's sake, change the keyboard for me. You know I am in your zip code field. Wow. Change the damn keyboard for me. Wow. But fundamentally now, like we ask for all this information in hotels. Are you really using it? If you're not using it, why are you asking for it? Just ask for my name and my email. Done. And my zip code. If you want to target, geo-target me, fine. Why do you want my street address? What good does that do you? Why are you making me do that extra work unnecessarily, right? Like I look, we're actually, as we think about our new venture, we're looking at retail far more than hospitality for inspiration because retail nailed it. Like they know how to get you to transact. I mean, I can't tell you how many things within three clicks on Instagram without even ever leaving Instagram, I'm finding, learning about and buying clicks away. Yeah, think about hotel booking experience. Good God. But you need you need a PhD and you're running around wasting hours. So, but that now that's an interesting point because uh, backstory for another day. How do you, because I've looked at retail a lot as well too as far as moving forward because it is you know and we've even seen what like um, like to like to own it or whatever these different brands that you can literally as a female <laughs> you could be like oh wow this is great um i like this sweater click click boom and next thing you know you bought it now a sweater is a far different um investment than say a hotel trip you know a trip a vacation uh something like that so how much do you, i mean does the price of it or the investment of it also t play into that for sure it does and i think obviously making a decision to travel is a lot harder than making a decision to buy a sweater Suffice it to say, I will say people, you know, the, the quote we've been hearing for years now, buy experiences, not things. And I think, again, this pandemic has further emphasized that point. Would you rather have 20 sweaters in your closet that you're not going to wear because you're only going to wear the two that you love anyway, or take all that money and go up to Santa Barbara for the weekend or go to Cabo for the weekend? So I think fundamentally, we have to make the process better. Our pricing strategy has to be better. We need better collaboration with other travel partners to make the process seamless. I, again, it's a tall order what I'm asking for, but I think fundamentally we can further induce people into going that route instead of the sweater by reducing the friction again, right? I mean, look, I say, again, part of our premise with the new venture is we sort of wanted to find problems to fix because ultimately that's how you make money, find the niche and fill it or find problems and fix it. And one of the problems we zeroed in on is hoteliers are terrible retailers because again back to that what business you're in we're in the service business no dum dum you are in the retail business you have perishable inventory that room that doesn't sell tonight is gone forever and no matter how fabulous at service you are you are a retailer first second and third move that inventory how do we how do we better move the inventory and how do we better create more SKUs? right like you go to retail there's 10,000 SKUs in a store you can buy hotel there's two kinds of rooms you can buy can we create different ways? Like there's a lot of companies out there using tech to do hourly rate, not that kind of hourly rate, but the different hourly rate or half day use or day use or work from hotel. Or, you know, you go on a business trip and you're done at 10 a.m. and your flight is at 10 p.m. You want something to do. You want a place to take a nap, take a shower, whatever. There are different ways to try to create different pricing points. 
And there's also the idea, and this is now a tall order, and this is really central to my new venture. I often look like, I'll use an example that you would know, Goop. What is Goop? People say Goop is a high-end brand. They sell uh, body care stuff. They sell this. And I say, Goop is a lifestyle. If Goop opened a hotel tomorrow, literally, you don't need to know what it is, what quality it is, where it is, you're going there, right? Because you truly believe in that brand. Can a hotel brand be a lifestyle brand first that has hotels? How do you take the content that we inherently have in hotels and become a quasi-media company, push that content beyond the four walls of a hotel and become a brand that happens to have hotels? Like I think about Monocle. I love the brand Monocle, right? I can't tell you what they do. They do leather goods and they do T-shirts and they do magazines and they do city guides. So it's sort of a lifestyle. I view Monocle as a lifestyle. I view Goop as a lifestyle. Can a hotel company cross that threshold and go out of being a bed and shower provider and become more of a lifestyle company. And I think there's a way. It takes obviously a lot of a lot of runway to get there and a lot of loyalty to build and create. But yeah, I mean ultimately, like listen, I I go to Amangiri, I want to buy their hat and I want to buy their t-shirt or whatever. But somebody who doesn't go want to buy it too, they don't make it easy to buy, right? Like make it easy to buy because it's not about the profit you're gonna make on the hat. You're building well bad example because if you don't like Amangiri, you don't need a hat. It doesn't matter. You don't know what you're talking about. You should love it anyway. Yeah, yeah. My point is, could you create a different point for a consumer to transact with you that's not just a hotel? And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I'm very into, oh my gosh, my my gears are turning as you're saying this because I'm like trying to think, I'm like, okay, how does one actually, you know, put that into motion? You said it, Airbnb with the experiences, right? Airbnb yeah. was, a, was a piece of software, right? They were selling you someone's home. And now they're like, well, wait a minute, we have this captive audience. Let's now sell them experiences. And let's now, you know, let's go buy a hotel tonight and become an OTA on our own. So there are different ways that oh, sure. Airbnb could arguably become the single one-stop shop you go for travel, including hotels. And we have hotels on Airbnb. Oh, and they and they have. I mean, that's definitely been their direction in which they're wanting to go. And then interestingly enough, then we can go ahead and look at other brands and how they have then responded. So, you know, that you are seeing that there are a lot more experiences, you know, that you can look at the the bigger brands like the Marriott's. I mean, even JetBlue, for example, and an airline, like what, we're going back, back in time, but they're now, because obviously airlines and their relationship to hotels at the beginning on the beginning of OTAs, but now understanding that you've got like JetBlue and JetBlue vacations and this, and it's like, whoa, what's happening? But it is, I think, a lot of people that are vying in essence for this, whether it's a digital real estate or um, just their offerings is that they want to make sure that it's like, hey, if we've got you here, we can also help you do X, Y, Z, because it's, again, tapping into the friction. Again, I, I, think, I think removing the friction, literally, because as I travel, and you know, I'm a neurotic traveler, there's so much friction. There is so much friction along the way. And you think about the bar and, and a friend of mine, uh, Benchmark Hotels, Alex, I'll give him the credit, the CEO of Benchmark. He talks about the bar when you leave your house. You're waking up at the crack of dawn. You're stepping on your kids' Legos. You're waking up your family. You're trying to hustle to get in the Uber with the smelly guy who wants to talk to you at 4 a.m., you're at the airport getting shoved on the airplane like cattle. Someone is kicking you from behind. You land. You deal with the same thing again. You arrive at the desk. The bar is beyond low. Like all you need is someone to look at you and genuinely smile and say, welcome. Like that's all you need. And you've won me. Yet we fail to do that. Because you know what we say to that person? Checking in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, because it, because then it becomes all part of the machine, you know, exactly. and, it, and it's like, yeah, like, let's just get yeah, straight. Remove, remove, remove the friction. I think fundamentally as hoteliers, if we can give anyone a piece of advice and, and self, well, I'm giving myself the advice. I think remove the friction, focus on what matters most. Remember that you are in the feelings business. That's the only business you're in, because if you think any other thing fail, because then you're a commodity. And if you're a commodity, then I'm just buying you for price and convenience. How do I pick you over someone else? Remove the friction, focus on the humans. And I can't say enough, people want a reason to care. And you know, we talk about the cancel culture. There's the opposite of the cancel culture now. Instead of worried about being canceled, why don't you think about how do I become the opposite of cancel culture and make people flock to want to do business with me? What, what is it that I have to do? Again, walk the talk, right? 
Because sure, you can feed the homeless one day and go buy a billboard that says BLM on it. No, 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 no. You have to walk the talk. You have to be central to what you do. And you have to believe because if you don't believe and you're at the top, it'll never happen. You have to truly believe. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and your money. Consultants can't help you there. You have to do it. Yeah. And that, and that is all incredible advice. I was actually, what I, I was about to ask you if you had advice and you just went right into it. So, I mean, for all the hoteliers that are listening, I, I think definitely play that part back over again and listen to that because there was some really some, some solid advice and just outlooks on, on things that we should really consider and, and look at things moving forward. So, um, Gosh, now I feel like I'm never going to be able to say the word trend again, thanks to you. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have, I, have, I have a list in my office of words that are bad. <laughs> that is curated, one of them. Authentic, curated, handcrafted, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, whatever. Unprecedented. Artisanal, <laughs> artisanal, atelier, disruptive. What the hell does any of that mean? By the way, I will, I, I will tell you my opinion of the word authentic. Because until we find a better word, I don't want to use it because it's overused, but it's such an important word. Authentic to me is you have to have an unapologetic point of view and own it. Hell or high water, own it. Whether people like it or not, it doesn't matter. It's who you are. It's what you believe in. Because if that's what you do, then you're authentic. Anything else you do, you're trying to be someone you're not, and it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to come through. Yeah. Yeah. And that... Ooh, that's a great line. And but it but it's true because it is that that is I think what we're all vying for. It's this weird paradigm that we're in, this dynamic that it's, you know, we want to be so authentic, but so much of like what we do might not be that authentic. It's I don't want to say this. Yeah. Well, how what again, one of my other favorite quotes is we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. I mean, that's our culture, right? 100%. <laughs> yeah. Or what's the other one? Sad lives, happy photos. Like That's yeah. what's become of us. And oh what a gosh, terrible, so sad. what a terrible life to live. So if you want to be, if you want to be authentic, be yourself, have a strong point of view. Now, respectfully, right? Don't, like, yes. You want to do a hotel, you want to do a nautical hotel? do a nautical hotel and be all in and own it. You're not going to be for everybody and that's okay, but that's what authenticity is. The problem is I decide I want to be a nautical hotel and then I say, well, what will this person think? And what will that person think? And I'm going to modify this and this is too much and that's too little. And before you know it, you have a diluted concept that means nothing to anyone. You might as well not have done it. Yeah. It's like you go all in, you go all in and fully commit to it. Yeah. And that's a great point because it is, it is so easy that things can become diluted, as you said. Um, so we won't use the word trends, <laughs> but no. moving forward, um, but what, what changes in human behavior would you say would be here to stay on the other side of this pandemic or moving ahead? I think sadly for us hoteliers, I think business travel is forever changed. For multiple reasons, uh, again, COVID is over. It's done. It's not even in, in our in our lexicon anymore. It's over. So now I want to travel because I'm on the road often. And I go to my boss and I say, "Okay, boss, I'm going to go do this trip. I'm doing a sales call on Sarah in LA." And my boss is going to say, "Well, how much is this trip going to cost? Well, three thousand dollars. Well, you've done it remotely for a year. How about instead of traveling ten times this year, you do it three times?" So I'm very concerned about business travel, particularly for the kind of hotels. I do sort of these urban city center, business centric, mostly hotels. So that's one concern that I have for us. And I think that's a human behavior change because it's not only the boss's desire to save money, but me now who has gotten used to being at home and knowing what school my kids go to and being part of their lives, all of a sudden this badge of honor we all carried with how many miles and what status and all that has truly now become a badge of shame. And the question is, if I don't need to go, I'm not going to, if I need to go, I'm going to go. But if I don't need to go, it's not good for my health. It's not good for my family. It's not good for my interpersonal relationships. My friends don't see me, et cetera. All of a sudden, I'm going to be thinking about it twice. So I worry about business travel as a trend. And I think we as hoteliers, again, have to be smart and quick to think about how do we mitigate it? How do we find different ways to replace the business or encourage the business to happen, be easier to do business with? Etc. Now, the work from office business, I think there's always going to be offices because you lose this 
camaraderie if not. But I imagine a lot of companies will start doing three days in the office, two days from home if you aren't, or vice versa. So that's going to have an impact on hotels. Now, if a lot of companies that have done all remote work, I view those as positive because if you're in pick a city, if you're in Milwaukee and Northwest Mutual Life is there and they're telling people to work from home, all of a sudden people will travel to HQ more often and need hotels. So I kind of think about that as a silver lining. But I'm watching this business travel because it's core to what we do very, very carefully and paying attention to it carefully. The other thing is I think that we've learned from the quarantine is this on-demand culture. Like, you know, everything is delivered, everything is curbside, everything is even more real-time and immediate. So how do we, again, focus on the remo- on removing the friction from our offerings? And, you know, I think I think your hotel that you worked at at the, at the Peninsula, I think one of the things they talked about always, the biggest loyalty creator was no check-in, no check-in or check-out times. You can come when you want, leave when you want. We're really starting to think long and hard about this because it seemed like such a non-hospitable thing to do. Now it requires more planning on our part, but people are trying to organize their lives and they don't want to show up and be turned away. So those are the things that I'm watching change a lot. F&B is changing obviously a lot. The offerings are getting simpler, more healthier, and clearly the focus on wellness. And wellness now is so much more than fitness. It's mental health. It's physical health. It's it's eating, what you eat, what you breathe. It's the sleeping. You know, those those windows that we used to get away with that let light bleed in, those should not be acceptable anymore, right? We put so much value on sleep and that sleep experience. So I think, again, human-centric, remove the friction, focus on the well-being of our guests, enough shock and awe. Yeah, sure, the art is important, but that's not what you're selling. Focus on their rest and well-being first, then wow them with the art. Yeah, yeah. And it's... it. It is. I mean, I, I have to say, check, check, check. I agree with absolutely every single one of those that you said, because we are, um, and maybe this might be a word that might go up on your board sometime soon, but this conscious, people are becoming more conscious as far as all of their decisions. Again, whether it's their eating, what they're doing, how they're sleeping, where they're traveling to, what they're consuming, whether it's physically consuming or, you know, intellectually consuming. So, I mean, that's, there is this consciousness. Two, that people have two words in, in, in line with what you said that we use often here is thoughtful and intentional. Like don't put, don't do anything in life, literally anything, unless it's thoughtful and intentional. Like, why is that piece of art on the wall? Why are you making me do this? Why does the door open this way, not that way? So I think the more we pay attention to this, guests are now very in tune with how we design spaces for them and how we interact with them. And I think your intentionality and thoughtfulness will not be lost. People will appreciate it. I mean, you know, often sometimes the smallest things make the biggest difference. You're like, oh my God, so thoughtful that they thought of this and put the extra charger here for me or did the whatever here for me or put the switch where it belongs so I don't have to get out of bed to, you know, do what I need to do. So I, I think we need to all be more thoughtful, more intentional with ourselves, with our well-being, with our coworkers, with our guests, with our community at large. Again, back to that, we really are all in this together, right? Like we're going to sink together, we're going to swim together. It's ultimately up to us. Exactly, exactly. And I was even saying that just, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago is that we are all in this together. And yes, then you have people that are coming back, oh, but some people are in yachts, some are in canoes, some are in life. And it's like, okay, yes. But as far as looking at the bigger picture, you know, we're all kind of, we're all shifting. It doesn't matter about the boat that you're in, that's something that you have to worry about. But it's it, we are looking at the bigger picture because, again, we are all in it together and understanding that. And I think it's the idea of focusing more on the collective than maybe just the I, I, or me, me all the time. And again, this is not designed to be socialistic or communist in any way. Oh, Let's be clear. No. I, am, no. I, am a cap- <laughs> I am a capitalist pig at heart. But I will say, again... <laughs> Word, words that are ringing in our halls are conscious capitalism. Again, like I opened yeah. with, if success means crushing everyone along the way, I have zero interest in being successful. I think there's a way to do it well where you raise people up along the way, including, by the way, and again, back to, to treating people with respect, our investors we need to treat with respect. They're not giving us their money because charity, they can do charity on their own. They're trusting us with their money or their assets to, to, to deliver the results for them. So that's our job. Otherwise, if we're not interested, we shouldn't be doing it. So I think fundamentally raising people up along the way will make us all win. And again, back to the point that we're all in this together, right? What's, what's the point of crushing everyone and ending up alone? 
Agreed. Wow. That is. I told you. That's the way to end this. My goodness. We just need politics now. We just need politics. <laughs> no, I know. We already we touched on it a little bit, but uh, but no. I mean, again, that's all. That's all a great point. And I think if anything, um, that's come to the forefront of all of our minds this in this year because we have been forced to be quote unquote alone or at least alone in different ways. You know, introspective. Introspective. That's like really, really, truly. At the end of the day, we all have to look inside and say, what would we want? And mm-hmm. why do we give people other things? Like yeah. we're all, again, you know what you want. You want to be treated with respect. Treat everyone with respect. If you want to be disregarded and disrespected, then okay, fine. Yeah. But I bet you no one ever says, I want to be disregarded and disrespected. No, of, of course not. Of course but not. But why do we feel it's okay to do it to others? Mind boggling. Mind boggling. Anyway. Well, that, that's a story for another day. So, exactly. So to... <laughs> We're at this we need like seven episodes. We'll just do them in one sitting and you can roll them out over next year. <laughs> I know, right? Well, that, I was about to say, that's a story for somebody's therapist is exactly. what that is. Exactly. <laughs> no. exactly. um, so to, to wrap this up, so what's next for you, business developments? I'm actually sitting in the old W Buckhead Atlanta that we just converted to an autograph collection. It's part of Practice Hospitality's uh, first hotel. And we have two more in the pipeline. So it's been great. I love Atlanta. I love these cities. And I start sort of peeling the layers. And, you know, people usually barely scratch the surface on a city. There's so much culture and history and incredible people. And, 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 and typically what we do, Brett's really been our MO, is digging in and digging deeper and really getting to know the market. So I'm excited about spending more time here. And we have a couple more in the pipeline coming up here. So uh, we're all in, right? We're, like my entire team is here. We've been here for 10 days and yesterday. So we're not slave drivers working night and day. I took the entire team to uh, Montgomery to look at the Justice. Uh, Mon- oh, my God, that museum. They are so incredible. And again, it shows you when we don't pay attention as a collective, what happens, right? We've seen what happened in Nazi Germany. We've seen what happened during slavery here in the U.S., and, and we really have to, again, as humans, we always say we'll never let this happen again. And we find ourselves doing the same thing again. So I think this idea of kindness resonating across all of us is, is something that we need to teach our future generations and make sure we really, truly don't allow these atrocities to happen again. I agree wholeheartedly. And I mean, through through travel and, and taking the time to discover more of history, and I think even maybe firsthand, even how you're saying that, you know, you ended up going to Montgomery, by the way, I actually lived in Atlanta um, through my teenage years. And that's actually where I went to high school. So I have a very um, strong affinity for it, but you know, that is really important is to, to take the time to, to uncover a little bit more about these places and these locations and hopefully just make us more, more well-rounded individuals. Exactly. And we're always, I'm always learning. And this is not for, again, the Instagram shot, although I proudly will post about it on Instagram to encourage others to go see this incredible venue. But ultimately, you know, if you stop learning, then uh, you know who you are. Yeah, I'm always I, learning. I'm always yeah. learning. Always be learning. Agreed. Yep, yep, and be curious. Yep. To me, it comes yep. down to being curious. Like how exactly. life, we have life. Like you can be curious, like in your own block. Like, you know, you never know. But I mean, that's. I think that's a good way to live. So, well, I mean, again, we could talk for hours. And, and, agreed, agreed. Oh, this is fantastic. And I thank you, by the way, so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, for those that are tuning in, where can they find you um, on, on social media or how can they connect with you? I'm a prolific social media user on all outlets, including those that I will not admit to publicly. It's my full name is the user handle on all of them. Uh, Instagram, usually, if you want to travel with me, and then otherwise LinkedIn, because I am an overposter and will bury you with hotel and travel information. But otherwise, I'm open book, and uh, I welcome all to uh, come and join along the trip and learn from each other. Ultimately, right? The, agreed. I, I mean, this is this is the key to human nature. I have to say. So, thank you. Well, thank you again so much for your time thank today. You for for all of you that have been tuning in, I hope that you enjoyed this uh, podcast as much as I did having this conversation. Bashar, you were totally wonderful. And um, definitely stay tuned as we will have a lot of wonderful episodes uh, coming up. But 
listen to this, re-listen to this podcast because there are a lot of nuggets in here that I think that uh, you can really take with you uh, moving ahead, especially into uh, 2021 and this new year. So as always, thank you all for tuning in and don't forget to continue to say yes to travel. <laughs>